Okay, good morning, everyone. Good, morning. good to see you. Okay. Well, this uh, this time slot is usually has been dedicated to discussion of Shabbos and the Tfilis of Shabbos. Uh, we also know that we're, at some point we maybe would switch a little bit to Yomtiv, and being that it is Erev Tanis Esther, Erev Purim, um, I, I think it would be appropriate for us to use the time to speak about an aspect of Tfilah, which is which is a tefillah of yomtiv, and specifically how that tefillah of yomtiv morphs, how it takes a new sh- assumes a new shape, a different shape, when it comes to the the yomtiv haboleinu latova, uh, the yomtiv of Purim. The Gemara in Maseches Megillah asks a question. It's a Gemara really in uh, in in two places, also Gemara in Maseches Eruchin, and the Gemara says as follows. That our boy Mushmona Navi and Vesheva Navias Nisnabu Luhemli Yisrael will pichsuv leisiru al Masha Klasu B'Tayra Chutz Mi Mikra Megillah. There were forty-eight prophets and seven prophetesses who stood for the Jewish people, and they didn't add anything to the Torah. They added no mitzvahs. They added no instructions, except with the exception of Mikra Megillah with the reading of the Megillah. That's something which was added, something which came later, something which was added. It's <coughs> the only mitzvah we have in Ksuvim. That's in a certain sense, the simplest pshat in Kimu Vekiblu. When it says that the Jewish people re-accepted the Torah and Purim, the simplest pshat is that, and that's really what the Pasuk speaks about, is that we accepted upon ourselves a mitzvah. We hadn't accepted upon ourselves a mitzvah since Sinai. But now came Purim, and we accepted upon ourselves a new mitzvah, the mitzvah of Mikra Megillah, the mitzvah, the mitzvahs of the Yom Tev of Purim. My Rosh, what did they derive it from? If for going from slavery to freedom we said Shira, we said Halel to Hashem, so from death to life, how much more so? What Ahasuerus, what Haman wanted to do to the Jewish people was more severe, it would seem, than what Paro wanted to do. Paro wanted to enslave us. By and large, he didn't want to kill us. There was a phase, a period of time where he wanted to kill the, 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 the born males. But Paro's, uh, uh, excuse me, Ahasuerus, Haman's decree was Lashmid, La Rog, La Beid. Was to destroy. I mean, how many different words can you use for destroy? Lahashmid, to destroy, laharog, to kill, laabed, to eradicate all the Yehudim, lachmanolitzlan, from young to old, women, men and women, children. He wanted to do so much more. And we were spared from it. Mamish, not a hair fell, right? From a, from, from a Jewish person. And we shouldn't say Shira. So therefore they said something has to be done. So what should have been done? So ask the Gemara, So why don't we say Halal? <laughs> That's what we do on Pesach. So why don't we say Halal on Purim? This is the question the Gemara asks here. And the question the Gemara asks again in the Sechas Eirechim. And the Gemara gives three answers. Three answers to this question. Answer number one, because you don't say halal on a miracle which takes place outside of Eretz Yisrael. 
That's answer number one. The story of Purim is located from its beginning to its end in Chutzlaretz, in the Sheva Vestrim Umeya Medina, in the 127 Medinos of Achashverosh's kingdom. Ground zero is Shushan. Habira, excellent. Ask the Gemara. Yitzias Mitzrayim, the nation of Chutzlaretz, Hechi Amin and Shira. So, how did they say Shira for Yitzias Mitzrayim? Yitzias Mitzrayim also didn't happen in Eretz Yisrael. So how do we say hello then? Kedetanya answers the Gemara as, the, as we learned, Atshalei nichnesu Yisrael arts hichshu kolaratzes leimer shira. Yishay nichnesu Yisrael arts lehichshu kolaratzes leimer shira. Until we entered Eretz Yisrael, we could say shira any place. But once we entered Eretz Yisrael, we couldn't say shira any place. Uh, one can can talk a little bit more. We'll talk Mir Sashem a little bit more about this reason. When you're saying Shira, are you speaking specifically about Halal? The Gemara's question is about Halal, yes. Oh, this is the Halal is the Shira that we're speaking about over here. Says uh, continues the Gemara. Rav Nachman Amar, Rav Nachman has a different answer. And his answer is Kriyasa Zu Halela. We do say Halal. Reading the Megillah is the Halal of Purim. So you ask the question, why don't we say Halal? We do say Halal. We say it in a different form. And that's through the reading of the Megillah. And the third answer, Rav Amar, What's the first line of Halal? Halaluka, give praise to God. Halalu avde Hashem, give praise you who serve Hashem. We are now servants of Hashem. Yesterday we were servants of Paro Melech Mitzrayim, but now we're servants of Hashem. Elohacha, but now, on Purim, what are you going to say? Halalu Avdei Hashem? Give praise you who are servants of Hashem, and you're no longer servants of Achashverosh. Achashverosh. Akati Avdei Achashverosh Anan. We are still servants of Achashverosh. That's what the Gemara says. So, Three different reasons. The first reason is because you can only say halal and miracle, which happens in Eretz Yisrael. This is a miracle in Chutzlaretz. The second reason is we do say halal. We just say halal in a different form. The reading of the Megillah is the halal of Purim. And the third is that the language of the halal doesn't fit. The essence of the halal is we're giving praise as we who are serving Hashem. We still have somebody over us. The story of Purim doesn't end with the Jewish people going free, being redeemed. It ends with the Jewish people being in a better position in their golus, still servants of Achashverosh. Except the most prominent servant of Achashverosh was Mordechai HaYehudi, and that was good for the Jews. But we were still Avde Achashverosh, and we can't therefore say the Halil of Haluka Halu Avde Hashem. Now, first a note. There's a there's a, a beautiful framework that the Maral of Prague generally offers to the difficult phenomenon called Golos. He says Golos has three elements to it. There are three things which we are lacking when we are in Golos. Number one is that we're not at home. We have a place. Klal Yisrael has a place. The place of Klal Yisrael is Eretz Yisrael. And Golos, exile. Right? in the simple way that we understand it, is that we've left home. Golos from 
the beginning from the first Golos where Adam Arishan was creating Aden and he had to leave that place to go to somewhere else. That's the first element of Golos, displacement. The second element of Golos, says the Maharal, is Shibud Malchios, lack of sovereignty. There's an independence to the Jewish people. We're in our place, true, but we also, we don't, we're not subject to anybody else. We're not under someone else's hand. We're Avdei Hashem, Velo Avdei Paro. When we go into Golos, we are the subject of whatever is our host. Whatever is our host country, whatever is our host state. We, we wonder, okay, so this, we're able to follow the laws of the Torah because we have a carve-out, we have an ability, we have freedom of religion to the extent. But we're always limited. The environment isn't defined by the law of, of, of God, the law of the Jewish people. It's whatever degree we're able to within that framework. We're Avdei Achashverosh, we're Avdei Paro. That's the second ap- aspect of Golos, is lack of sovereignty. And the third aspect of Golos is... Pizor, is being scattered. Instead of being together as a single nation, as a single entity, instead, because we are under another government, we also lose that inherent cohesion of a nation. And, and uh, there are many ways and many, uh, many places where this is expressed. One very nice place where this is expressed, my Shapiri used to say, is in the bracha that we ask, we say, Tka b'shefer godel l'cheruseinu, sound the great shefer for our freedom, right, that's freedom from Shibud Malchios, v'sonez l'kabetz galuyoseinu, and raise the banner to gather together our galuyos, tafseinu yachad me'arba kanfei so'aretz, and bring us together from the four corners of the earth, which also sounds like assembly, what does anybody here Davin's Nusach Svard? Le'artseinu, to our land. Right? So we don't say it in Nusach Ashkenaz, right? But it's understood that it's the beginning, it's the beginning of it, and bringing us together, Me'arba Kanfei Soretz, for that, those would be the three, the three steps encapsulated there. The Maral has many places where he shows how these three pieces are, are there. They're there in the Xeros, in the decrees of Golos. They're there, they're there. In the, in the freedom from Golos. So here, in the story of Purim, the Gemara speaks about three things, three reasons, they don't match. Two out of three match. One of them is, we're not in Eretz Yisrael. Why can't we say, hal? we're not in Eretz Yisrael? We still have that element of Golos. The second one is, we're still servants of Achashverosh. We don't have sovereignty. That's another element. But the third element the Gemara doesn't mention. It doesn't mention that the Pizor, the fact that we're scattered. Why? It's very beautiful. Because what was in fact the accomplishment of Purim? Lech kenais es kol The story of Purim started with Haman saying, Tachash there's an am echad, mefuzar mefarad bein ha'amim. There is Pizor. There's a single nation, but they're scattered and dispersed between all the other nations and they're, they're, they do their own thing, and whatever it is, but he described the dispersion of Kal Yisrael. And when Esther was confronted by Mordechai that she had to do something about it, what was her response? What did she say? She said, Lech 
Kenais Eskol Hayuhudim. Go bring together all of the Jews so that they can fast for me. It's, there's a, many, it's others who explained that the reason why Purim particularly is celebrated by things like Mishleach Monais and Matanes Le'avyonim, sharing of portions of food and giving gifts to the poor, what's that have to do with the story of Purim? He says these are the remedies of Kenaisis Kalayhudim, of bringing the Jewish people together, which was what she was trying to do, what she realized was the antidote to Homan's Amechad Mufuzar Muforad Bain Ha'amim. Many, many darshan, many speak about the idea that when we have as the first signal of Purim is Parshashkolim, where we go and create, collect the Machtis HaShekel, that that's Hiktim, the Gemara says that the Shkolim collection preceded Shkol of Shalhaman, the, the, the Shkolim of Haman, what Haman tried to go and give to Achashverosh in order to buy the heads, the lives of the Jewish people to be able to destroy them, Rahman al-Itzlan, that the Machtis HaShekel was, of course, this great joint project of the Jewish people, which everybody did together, symbolized by the half shekel, but really all of it came together in order for it to be the carbon seaboard. It was the donations that people gave so that there would be a single lamb, right? One brought in the morning, one brought in the evening every day, and it was a carbon of this entity called the Jewish people. The Machzus HaShekel was the donation as part of that entity of Kenaisis Kalayhudim. So therefore, that element is not even found. It's not even found as sort of a deficiency in the story of Purim. If there's anything that was remedied, it was that. And we've, we've shared before, and with this we'll end this little tangent, we've shared before that, uh, that uh, we know that the second base Hamikdash, again, Midvarav Shel Hamaral, the second base Hamikdash wasn't built with a visible presence of Hashem. It was built without the five elements the Gemara lists, which are showing Hashem's presence in the Migdash so vividly. We didn't have the Aron with the Luchos in the second base Hamigdash. There was much that was there was much that was missing. But what did we have? We had a place that assembled all of the Jewish people together, says the Mara. And he says that's why the second base Hamigdash wasn't destroyed because of great Averos, which are Averos of Tuma, like Gili Arayus and Shichus Damim and Avodah Zorah, which violate the presence of Hashem, but it was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, because of hatred between people, because the Migdash was built as a place of togetherness, not a place of vivid presence of Hashem. The story of Purim, of course, is the seeds for the building of the second base Hamigdash. It occurs between the two, between the first and the second, through Esther and Achashverosh, the Persian kingdom ends up ultimately licensing the building of the second base Amigdash. It all comes from this story of Kinos, which was already accomplished. The story of Purim did remedy that aspect of the Golos. Two-part question. Where were, in that, that point in history, where were the Jews living? Were they all over the 127 countries? They were dispersed. And how did they get They were them? dispersed. There was, there was still here an aspect of Kenaisa's Kolayudim, she said, as Kolayudim, now, she said, right, if we, if we, if we'll be honest, the Pasuk ends, the Yehudim who were found in Shushan. But in the end, 
the letters went out. The Gzeira went out to Kol Medina Yisamelech, the 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 takon of Mikra Megillah, as is described in Megillah's poem, went out to all of the Jewish people. Klal Yisrael was Makabal Torah again. At Har Sinai, it was Klal Yisrael ki ishachad b'leivachad, like one man with one heart. We had to do the same, the same thing. You even have it's it spells it kimu v'kibel, right? It spells it without 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 the plural, uh, you know, in the Megillah, the 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 Kabbalah Satorah, the second thing of Purim. So it's there, it's there. The, the, the Gemara, when it discusses extra days, perhaps for being able to read the Megillah, right? Maseches Megillah starts with some extra days in certain places where they weren't able to do it. On the classic days, the Gemara says, the 13th you don't need to have a Pasuk to tell you for, because the 13th was man kehila lakoilhi. It was the time when everybody came together as a kehila. What does that mean? That means that was the day, 13th was the day of the story of Purim, the war actually. But some say the 13th is Tanis Esther. That's when everybody comes together already on, on it to be able to daven. That's what the Rishonim say in Maseches, in Maseches Megillah. The, 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 the coming together was not that geographically our boundaries were, dis, were, 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 were erased, but somehow we managed a little bit of a kapteinu yachad, even though we remained in Arba Kanfesorets at that point in time. So, so this, is, this is the piece which is not missing in the story of Purim. But what is missing in the story of Purim are the two things that the Gemara lists. One is that it was a miracle of Chutzlaretz, and the second was, was that we were still under a, uh, under a different king. And therefore we couldn't say, Halu Avdei Hashem, for Loav de Paro. So let's try to, to, um, to, to look at this a little bit. And I want to share with you, a, um, you know, something which is you know, well-known and, uh, and, and obvious uh, in, its, in, its, uh, in its hiddenness that's here. I, I, maybe I'll just share it with you because it's something which is so familiar. I want to share it with you with a, with a twist which isn't so familiar and very, I think, riveting. And this was a ha'ora, a note which was made by Rav Hutner, Zichroin HaLevracha. Anoichi Hashem Aleikecha. I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of Eretz Mitzrayim, Yibes Avadim. Anoichi is, is a big word. I am. I am. It's the first commandment, the first word of the first commandment. HaKadosh Baruch Hu presents himself here I am. I'm the God who took you out of Mitzrayim, Yibes Avodim. Right? Chazal see it as the beginning of Torah, right? The Aleph, the first letter of the Aleph base, which quote-unquote complained that it was pushed aside because the Torah started with a base, voracious, and it glanced over the Aleph. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, don't worry. At, on the big day, when I will reveal myself in the world, you're going to be number one, right? Literally, right? Anoichi Hashem Elokecha will start with you. The Aleph of Anoichi. Said Rav Hutner, there's another Anoichi in the Torah. You know what that is? Anoichi hastir astir ponai. And Anoichi and I, hide I shall hide my face from you on that day. You all know that Pasuk. It's a Pasuk in a very, very sad and, and tragic section of the Torah where it describes the Jewish people suffering, the Teichacha, 
the difficult, difficult story of very harsh things which Leilena would happen to the Jewish people in Golos. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will hide my face from you on that day for all of the difficulty, for all of the bad, let's not mince words, I'll call Hara all the bad that, that, you know, that was done. Now we know that that Pesach is describing negative things. And at the same time, we also know that the Gemara in Chulin says, where do you find a hint to Esther in the Torah? Esther min ha-Torah minayin. Where do you find a hint to Esther in the Torah? And the Gemara's answer is that Pesach. V'anoichi hastir astir panai bayemahu. I hide, I shall hide my face on that day because of all that the Jewish people, that the Jewish people did. So Esther, we understand her name, is speaking of the Hester Panim, of the hiddenness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's face, of Hashem's presence at that time. Said Rav Hutner, there are two times that the Jewish people accepted the Torah. And they were both Anoichi. There's the Anoichi of Yitzias Mitzrayim, there's the Anochi when we left Egypt where HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared before us like a Gibor Alayam, like the mighty warrior on the sea. And we looked at him and we said, wow, Zeh, Keli Van Veyu, that's our God. And we will glorify him. We'll build him a base Hamigdash. He appeared before us at Harsinai. Ponim bifonim dibir Hashem imochim Face to face Hashem spoke to you before the mountain. And from that came... I am Hashem your God. From that came acceptance of Malchus Shemayim, acceptance of the Rabboni Shalom, acceptance of the Torah. But there was another story, and that's the story of Purim. And in the story of Purim, there were no open miracles, not a single one. And there was no voice of Hashem, so much so that even in the piece of Torah which we have, the Megillah Esther, Ka'amita Shel Torah, like the truth of the Torah, it says, Divrei Shalom Ve'emes, words of peace and of truth. Hashem's name isn't even in, in there. But it's also Anoichi. It also produced a revelation. It also produced the Kabbalah Satira, an acceptance of the Torah. But it was Anoichi with a hidden face. Anoichi Aster Aster. Anoichi Hashem Lekecha. And they're both Kabbalah Satira. And as I said to you before I said this, the idea is old. The flashpoint, the flag, is probably, you know, anybody hear that before? Anoichi, Anoichi, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? Everybody knows that Purim is hidden miracles, where Pesach is open miracles. But to realize, to recognize, like the Anoichi Shabbai, the I am Hashem, your God, that comes out of both of them, and in a certain sense, of course, that's what the Gemara says when it says that it's a nes shabachutz l'aretz. It's a miracle in chutz l'aretz. And in miracles in chutz l'aretz, we don't say shira. Why is that? What's chutz l'aretz? Well, you know what it is. Just look out the window. Right? But what's the, the, the essence, in a sense, of the difference between Eretz Yisrael and Kutzel Aretz. Hashem is hidden. The Ramban writes, if you look in the beginning of Parshas Lech Lecha, in the beginning of Parshas Lech Lecha, after Avram Avinu was given the instruction to go to Eretz Yisrael, Lech Lecha, 
So what does it says? What does it say? Vayavar Avram Baoretz Avram Avinu passed through the land till he came to the place of Shechem. Knani as Baoretz, the Knani was then in the land, and then the pasuk says Vayera, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu appeared to him. Vayera Hashem el Avram, Hashem appeared to Avram, and he said to your children, I will give this land. Vayiva and Shem Mizbeach Hashem and he built there a Mizbeach to Hashem. Who had appeared to him? Why doesn't it just say and he built there mizbeach to Hashem? That's usually what it says. It's going to say right in the next pasuk. He went there to Beisel. Even Shem mizbeach Hashem. Even Shem mizbeach Hashem. Anybody? If he built there mizbeach to Hashem, what appeared to him? Well, we know it just says that Hashem appeared to him. And if he built a mizbeach to Hashem, so you and I can figure out that it's to Hashem who appeared to him. Writes the Ramban that what Avram Avinu said was. Wow, Hashem just appeared to me. I never had that before. Hashem spoke to me. The audio I got, but the video I didn't get. Hashem spoke to Avram, he said, Lech Lecha. But it doesn't say, Hashem appeared to Avram, and he said, Lech Lecha. This was the first time Hashem appeared to him. And that was what drove Avram Avinu to build the Mizbeach. Hashem's here. Hashem's visible here. It's a different story. It's a different story. There's much to, to apply to this. There's much that you know that's, that's, that, that fits into this. You'll, you could think about how many times this concept shows up in your tefillahs. For example, the Sechazena. Let our eyes see when you return to Tzion Brachman. Seeing HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a whole different story. It's a whole different story. There's a famous note which was made by many, many uh, of the G'dayle Bale HaMachshava, the great thinkers of Tzadok HaKayin and others. We have the main learning, you know, when you have all this Davyemi stuff that's going on. What do you see on the cover of, uh, of every uh, Gemara? Talmud Bavli, right? The Babylonian Talmud. There's such a thing called the Talmud Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud. Heroes learn it. We have a shear here, like two nights a week, a few people come, right? There are a few people who learn it. It's Talmud Bavli is... Is the is the standard, is the standard. And in the Talmud Bavli, the Gemara, you know, Gemara is all discussion. So when you have discussions, people say, "Okay, I, I posit this hypothesis, and I want to prove it to you." So what do they say? What's the language where they introduce a proof? They say, "Ta shema, come and hear what I have to tell you." In the Talmud Yerushalmi, it's also all discussions. And when they have, when they want to bring a proof, you know what they say? To chazi, come and see. Come and see. And in the Gemara, in the Talmud Bavli, which speaks about one things where uh, the sages who traveled from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, he says, "You live." They said to the Babylonians, "You live ba'arachashaycha. You live in a dark land, so you say dark things which are sort of like in dark, in the dark, unenlightened." 
outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's not Ene Hashem May Reishis Hashana Varachis Hashana. You don't have the eyes of Hakadosh Baruch Hu on it. Hashem isn't revealed. When the Gemara says on a miracle of Chutz Laaretz, you don't say Halel. What, what the Gemara is saying is, you know, Halel is for open miracles. Those of you who have been with us in these discussions over a period of time when we've been talking about tefillah and the difference between Psuke de Zimra and Halel, the distinction which the Gemara makes and others, we know that there's talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hidden presence in the world and talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's open presence in the world. And Halel, which we're not supposed to say on a daily basis because it undermines, in a certain sense, the focus on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence in the hidden world. Halel is about open miracles. And so, for a miracle of Eretz Yisrael, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu's visible, you say it, not for a miracle of Chutz Laaretz. Oh, ask the Gemara, but what about Mitzrayim? Says the Gemara, Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim was before we came to Eretz Yisrael. So it's not just a chronological detail, okay, it was before the deadline. We understand that Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim was all to bring the Jewish people to Eretz Yisrael. There were no more open miracles than there were at Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. That's the, the moment when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, go into the darkest land and I'm going to part the curtain and you're going to be able to see You'll be able to see in the land of sorcery, the land of the greatest darkness from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you'll be able to see the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that was in order to get us to Eretz Yisrael. The, by the way, in Chazal, there's a similar discussion about Nevuah. Mm-hmm. Nevuah is only in Eretz Yisrael, says the Gemara. There's no Nevuah in Chutz Eretz. So the Gemara asks about Nevuah, Nevuah of Yecheskel. So Yecheskel got his Nevuah in Eretz Yisrael, and then he went to Chutz Eretz, so he was able to still hold on to it. But how about the Nevoas of Moshe Rabbeinu? It was to get us to Eretz Yisrael. It's the same thing. Nevoah is done b'chizayon, right? Generally speaking, b'chazon, with, with seeing the level of the openness of the channel is there in Eretz Yisrael. So answer number one is that. Answer number three. Well, we're skipping over answer number two, which says that there really is halal. We'll come back to it. Answer number three is we can't say Halu Avdei Hashem because we're still Avdei Paro. We'll st- we're still servants of Paro. We're still servants of Achashverosh. In the story of Purim, we're still servants of Achashverosh. Today we said we're servants of Hashem, we're no longer servants of Paro, but we're still, now we're still Avdei Achashverosh. So how can, we, how can we really say that? So let's talk about that a little bit, a little bit more. You know, there's a Gemara, and it's also found sort of in Pirkei Avis and Paragvav, it's not really Mishnah, where it speaks about a certain very valued behavior. It's one of the 48 ways through which a person is kainatayra. Mem chazvarim shator niknes bohen. What is it? The last one. Ha'aymer davar b'shem aymerai. A person who says something with attribution. He says something in the name of the person who had originally said it. So again, if you look here in the sixth parak of Pirkei Avis, which is Brisa, the last of the 48 ways through which a person is Torah is Somebody who says something over in the name of the person who originally said it. 
And of all of these 48 ways, it's the only one for which the Mishnah brings a proof, or the Brisa brings a proof. Not even a proof, but really a supplement. We learned that anybody who says something over in the name of the person who originally said it brings redemption to the world. As it says, Esther said to the king in the name of Mordechai. So what happens? So Big Son and Seresh, you know, have this plot to kill the king. Mordechai overhears it. He says to Esther, tell the king, save his life. She tells it, but she doesn't tell that she should be the heroine herself. She says it in the name of Mordechai. And that ends up being critical. Why? Because, of course, the villain that Haman wanted to portray was Mordechai. And Balailahu, the king was reminded on that very night that Mordechai was a hero. Had Esther just said, King, Big Son and Teresh want to kill you, and she wouldn't have said it in the name of Mordechai, we would have missed that turning point entirely. He would have said, he would have had a dream that night, and we said, oh, Esther's a nice person, right? You know, fantastic. We should, but he already knew Esther was a nice person, and he also didn't know that Esther was, had anything to do with this scheme of Amun. She didn't, he didn't even know that she was Jewish. So this was the turning point, the fact that she didn't take credit, that she attributed it to the source. So we say, not only is it a good quality, and you would imagine, you know, it's a, plagiarism is a bad quality. Right? And, 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 you know, this is giving proper attribution. It's a good quality. A person should give proper credit when they hear something of Torah and say where they learned it from. But we learned it's not only that. It brings redemption to the world. Because it brought the redemption of Purim. So think about it. It's so beautiful, so delicious. The Maral says it. I can't say it over without giving attribution. Right? right? <laughs> says the Maral... You know why that's the case? Because that's what redemption is. When you go and give credit to the source of all that you have. We have one source. We have one source. Geula is the revelation of the source. The Rabban Hashem is the source. He's the root of everything. And that's why one who says something in the name of the original source brings redemption to the world and says the Maral, how much is this true in the story of Purim? Where in the story of Purim, the whole nature of it was that the attribution is hidden. Because it's a hidden miracle. We could look at different vehicles, people, beings as being the source of the salvation. No, no, no. You have to be Aymer Dover B'Shem Aymre. You have to follow the trail until you find where it started. And that's where the redemption comes from. From revealing the hidden identity, Megalis, Megillas Esther, of the source of the whole thing. We read the Megillah, we don't mention the name of Hashem. We make three brachas before we read the Megillah. We bring the name of Hashem to the Megillah. Which brings us to the sandwich between reason number one and reason number three. Reason number one is, it's chutz laretz. chutz you don't say halal. 
reason number three is that, because it, again, I don't know what he said before, the idea is because in Kutzlar, it's the presence of Hashem is invisible. You don't say hollow when it's not visible. Reason number three is that we're still servants of Achashverosh. We're still under this other king. Excuse me, before I go to the sandwich, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't follow this through properly. So you have to go and be Omer Dover B'Shem You have to give proper attribution to where it's from. So let's, let's uh, talk about this first, again, with a short and easy way to view it, and then something a little bit deeper. Okay, the short and easy way to, to, to view it is a tradition which I think many of us are familiar with. And that is that in Megillah's Esther, there's a word that comes up many times. In fact, if you will look at a beautiful scroll of Megillah's Esther, you will see that it is written such that that word appears at the top of every column. And the word is Hamelech, the king. Right? There's such a thing as a Hamelech Megillah. Right, where, the, where it's written, this, the, the, the letters are spaced and, and, and used such that every column starts with the word Hamelech, the king, Hamelech, the king. Now, why should we be so excited about that? The king was that vulgar despot Achashverosh. But there's a tradition that Hamelech refers to the Rabbi Nishalai. So do you have a greater Omer Dover B'Shem Omer than that? Do you have a greater hidden attribution than that? Where you're talking about Achashverosh and it's really, really about the Rabbeinu Shalalam? You know that, that, that interesting point of the story. Again, it's, it's hard to speak about the climax of the story. The, there are many climaxes to the story of Purim, to Megillah Esther. In fact, the Gemara has their opinions in the Mishnah as to whether you have to read the whole Megillah or not. It says, no, they'll start at the beginning of the miracle. Okay, where's that? <laughs> right? So this one says here, this one says there, this one says another place. There's so many climaxes to the story. One of them is when Esther says, somebody wants to destroy the, peop- the Jewish people. Who is this one? Who is the one who wants to, to do this? And Esther says, drumroll, please, Ishtsarva Oyev, a difficult and enemy, a man of enmity, Hamon Harohazeh. So Chazal say that Esther was pointing, and she was pointing at a Chashveresh. And then a Malach came and pushed her hand to point to Haman. And the Goyen says, the Goyen of Vilna says, what was she, suicidal? What, what was she thinking? <coughs> Crazy. You're going to point to Tachashverosh? You have your moment, you're going to point to Tachashverosh? And the Goyen says, you have to understand that Esther was having two conversations at the same time. She was talking to the Rabbi And she was talking to Tachashverosh. In her conversation with the Rabbi it was Tachashverosh who was the villain. In her conversation with Tachashverosh, it was Haman who was the villain. She understood who, you're not, you're not here pleading your case in front of Ahasuerus. It's really the Melech. It's really the king, the Rabbi Shalalam, who's in charge here. HaMelech. That's the hidden, 
right? Hamelech, 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 Hamelech. And this is the original lobbying effort which takes place on behalf of the Jewish people. The original Jewish lobby was a woman named Esther. But no, what are you talking about? It's not in front of Achashverosh, it's in front of the Rabbana Shalala. There's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah says, Havu zehirin barashos, you should be very wary about government. Shein mekarven adam elo letzairach atzman. When they bring people close, it's self-serving. Nirim ko'ayavim b'shas hanoason, vein oimdim lo'i lo'adam b'shas dochakoi. They look like friends when it benefits them, when they're fundraising. But they don't stand by you at your time of difficulty. That's the Mishnah. Rabbeinu Yaina. Now, you can't relate to the Mishnah, no? Right? Seems right. Rabbeinu Yaina was very upset about reading the Mishnah that way. He was very upset. And... If Rabbeinu Yena didn't write this, what I'm about to tell you, if he didn't write it someplace else, freestanding, as a belief of his, you would say that what I'm about to tell you is Rabbeinu Yena writing something while looking over his shoulder and worrying about government censors. Rabbeinu Yena says, how can you have a Mishnah that discredits the entire institution of government when government is critical to a well-running society? What it's basically saying is the government is worthless. They're a bunch of, you know, paid hacks. How can, how can you go and undermine the confidence in people in government when in Pirkei Avos we also teach, in fact, right there, that a person should be mispalel b'shleim malchus. A person should pray for the well-being of the government. And now you're creating this enormous cynicism about government. I don't get it, says Rabbi Yaina. So again, you understand that we, who are cynical, would say that when we pray for the government, we're doing something which is diplomatic. And our real attitude is the second, that we're completely cynical about them. But there's never such a thing that I know of as a prayer that's meant to be said diplomatically. Prayers are genuine. Prayers are genuine. You know, and sometimes I tell you, this is a takana which we made here, which I made here in this in this in this shul. You know, sometimes people say a prayer for the government, and they say a prayer also. Sometimes that people pray for Eretz Yisrael, like we do. We pray every Shabbos as well for Eretz Yisrael. We're 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 heretical enough to pray that the Rabbanu Shalom should inspire the leaders of, of Eretz Yisrael with his wisdom and with his, with his guidance, which I think is something that <laughs> which would be a good thing for everybody to pray. That's a great hope, right? So sometimes the rabbi stands at the pulpit and he says the prayer. But last time I checked, usually when we pray, we don't stand with our back to the Aron Kodesh. We turn around and we pray to the Rabbana Shalom. There's only one time when we say prayer is not facing the Aron Kaidash, and that's when we say Amisha Berach, when the Sefer Tire is open. That's the only time. So when we say Amisha Berach during laning for Chaylim or so on and so forth, that's, uh, and the, here the rabbi says it, so I say it standing from the pulpit. But when we pray for the government, I go down, 
we go to the Amud, and we say it from the Amud, facing the Aran Kodesh. Why? Because we're not making a diplomatic statement. When we pray for the Israeli government, we're not saying, hey, we are, you know, we believe in, in, in this or that or the other. We're davening to the Rabbeinu Shalalam. We're asking him for something. So it's not a diplomatic statement. It's not a political statement. It's a statement of belief. We say, Rabbeinu Shalalam, we want the government to function well. It's a good thing. Says Rabbeinu Yenis, I don't understand. How could you be so cynical? Said Rabbeinu Yaina. That's not at all what the Mishnah means. What the Mishnah means is the following. People think, you know, the government is very important. This is what I'm going to do. I'll make friends with people who are in government. In fact, maybe I'll be very smart. And I'll make sure I'll be friends with him, with the person in Yale, who looks like he's going to be in the government. Right? Or we in the Jewish community, we're going to find someone who went to Yale with the person who's in government, who might have been friends with him. Or we're going to make friends with the person who's in the state legislature because, you know, a lot of the time, unless you happen to be a billionaire, right, the path to becoming the, the, the you know, the governor or the president is that you start in the state legislature and then you go to, uh, and then you go to this and then you, you move up and, you know, you follow, you follow that path maybe. So make friends with them on the lower ends of the thing and then so on and so forth. And then you say, I have friends in high places. That's the way it works. Rabbeinu Yaina knew about, about uh, you know, how people work the political system. He says, sorry, Charlie, it's not going to help you. You know why? Because once he becomes really important, he's completely not important. What does that mean? Once he becomes really important and his decisions impact the world, you think the Rabbeinu Shleilam lets a Yale graduate decide? What's going to be with the world? He retains that right for himself. Palge mayim lev melech biyad Hashem el koasher yachboitz yateno. Hakadosh Baruch Hu decides the decisions of the world. We elect people into office. You know, it may be that we have a democracy where things change every four years, every two years, every eight years. Nothing ever changes. The Rabbanu Hashem is always in office. And you think it's your friend. The friendship doesn't make a difference. That's the way Rabbeinu Yaina translates the Mishnah. How you translate the exact words in phraseology, if you have a chance, you could look at Rabbeinu Yaina, you'll see it. But this was, was a, a belief system of Rabbeinu Yaina. Fateful decisions that affect nations are not the decisions of individuals. For one second, it looks like it. It looks like it. There was one time where the veil was pulled off of that. Where was that? There was a man named Paro. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know what he did with Paro? He made it that Paro couldn't make any decisions. He hardened Paro's heart. Paro, come on. Right? Look at all the regular people. They said, Paro, you're being a fool. You're, you're, the whole Mitzrayim is going down the tubes. Any logical person with a little bit of a survival instinct would have made a decision, cut bait. But what did HaKadosh Baruch do? He showed then that Paro's capacity to decide wasn't his. 
That was the great revelation. And that's what made we weren't anymore Avde Pare. We weren't Avde Pare because Pare was in the Yamsuf or because Pare you know, was left behind. And in a certain sense, we saw then that it means nothing. But we, you know, after the story of Purim, did we see it clearly enough? We were again still Avde Achashverish. We're still worrying about it. And we're not Aymer Dover B'Shem Aymerai. We didn't, don't give sufficient attribution, even as we celebrated the miracle of Purim. We're still seeing somebody else controlling our lives. Just like in Chutzloretz, you don't see the open hand of Hashem. When you also experience a lack of sovereignty, you also see yourself as being under something other than the Rabbi Nashalelam. So now let's come to the sandwich, to the, what's the meat of the sandwich, between the first reason and the third reason, and that is Kriyasa Zui Halela. Reading the Megillah is the Halal. So here again we go to Rav Hutner, who, who said in the Pachad Yitzchak, he said, reading Megillah is Halal. Reading the Megillah is Halal? The Megillah is a story. Never in the Megillah do you say, thank you, Hashem. How can you call it Halal? That's what Halal is. Where you say and you praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Said Rav Hutner, and Rav Tzadik said it before him, that when you have an open miracle, you say openly, thank you, Hashem. When you have a hidden miracle, you don't say openly, thank you, Hashem. Saying the story, putting together the story, is halil nistar. It's hidden halil. Don't say it out. You don't have to say it out. Just reading the story is halil. And that's the, the method of recitation of halil in such a context. It's what brings it together. And I think this is the most... Uh, I, I think it's worthwhile for a person before Mikra Megillah, before reading the Megillah, that they, uh, that they pause and they think about this, that I'm now saying halal. How am I saying halal? I'm reading a story. Look at what's happening here in the story. Now that we read the story and the story's pieced together, every moment is, look what happened. Achashverosh made a party celebrating the demise of the Jewish people. And in the party, he has a tantrum and gets rid of Vashti. What's going to happen from that? He's going to end up marrying Esther. And Esther's going to be the mother of a child with Achashverosh who's going to build the next Beis Amigdash. Cool. I, it's like the whole story. Just read the story. Just read the story. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you hear, like somebody will tell over like a really good Hashgacha Pratis story. 
you know? And you're just like, you know, you know, piece it together. It's thrilling. It's thrilling to just hear the story. Nobody has to say anything. If they finish, they sit down and they say the story and they don't finish and say, and you know what, this goes to show you that. Who needs to goes to show you? Do you hear what happened? Do you hear what happened? And when we listen to the Megillah, it shouldn't be just, you know, the sterile, you know, here, recite it, make sure I don't want to lose my concentration, you know, follow, you know, follow along, which is all very important. But ride the waves of the story. There's a reason why in Mikra Megillah we put in a, a few chords from Echa. We have, you know, raised voices at certain times. We have joined voices at certain times. It's like Halil. You know, in Halil, many times the Shliach were just read it. But then he said, Everybody had to chime in. And answer, We read the Megillah like Halil. You have to follow the story and see what's happening at every step of life. I'll, I'd like to end with one last thought from Rav Hutner. It's beautiful, incredible, gorgeous. The Ramam writes, in the beginning of the laws of Megillah, in the laws of Megillah, he writes, and he says that, as I'll say, that even if, or he says, all of the Kisve HaKadosh, many of the works of scripture will be, will be, become at some point not relevant at the time of the Gula, but not Megillah's Esther. All the festivals won't be celebrated, but this festival of Purim will be celebrated. He says, why is that? Why is that? He says, there, he says I want to tell you a mushal. He says, two people find themselves in a very dark space. And they're trying to meet somebody and talk to somebody in that space. So one of them says, I'm in this space, it's dark. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to find a light. And he turns on a light and he says, ah, okay, great. I see him. The other person doesn't have a light. Doesn't have the ability to have light. So what he does is, he says, okay, is that, is that you? And he's able, slowly but surely, to discern, without being able to see, just by hearing what's there. And we know, a person who isn't able to see, a person who's blind, accomplishes things with their sense of hearing that no other, no, no regular person will because they need to refine and hone that sense of hearing so that it compensates for what they can't see. Said Rav Hutner, so you have Pesach. Pesach is Kodesh Baruch who's visible, clear. When the Geula comes in the end, HaKadosh Baruch is again going to be very, very visible and very clear. Whatever we used when the lights were on then, we don't need now because the lights are on again now. We don't need to remember Pesach. We'll just have then. What's then? But Purim refined our sense of hearing. 
because we didn't see, we learned how to hear. Because we didn't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the visible things, we learned to notice Him in anything and everything. It says, when the lights get turned on brightly again, the person who learned to train his hearing in the darkness still has that sense of hearing, still has that sense of subtlety. That's why Purim will never be lost, because it teaches us to cope with and to relate to and to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, a, in subtlety, in hiddenness. Anoichi haster aster. That's me behind the hidden. And to, to see that, to recognize that, just in the story, and all the stories that unfold in front of us, that's the, that's the power of Purim. There are times when Hashem is hidden. There are times when Hashem is very hidden. There are times when Hashem even seems to challenge the ability of the Jewish people to be able to get together in one place. And we have to figure out how it is that the Jewish people are able to get together without being in one place. Like in the story of Purim. And uh, it's those subtle kaychas that will never fail us. You know? Those who learn to be able to be together even when distance separated, when they get together, they don't say, okay, now we don't need it anymore. They learned kaychas of connection that will pay off with the person that's right next door. So may HaKadosh Baruch Hu help that we should see that this chaydash, which is a very confusing one, one might say, that it should be nepach, it should turn around. And whatever uh, strength we have to marshal within ourselves to manage these, uh, these days should be something that we're going to be able to use in a much more clear, pleasant, and beautiful way. Uh, and beautiful environment. We should be Zaycha Tanisim.